Coming up next on the Safety Matters podcast from Reliance Partners, we will be talking about mock audits and strategies to help trucking companies avoid out-of-service situations. Here's a preview from Mark Barler of the Reliance Safety Team. Now, when it comes to CSA scores, you get a roadside inspection that's sitting on the carrier's profile for two years. It's going to sit on a driver's pre-employment screening program, their PSP report, for three years. It's going to list every inspection that was done in those three years. It'll tell you what your out-of-service rate is for the vehicle, for the driver, for hazmat, and how many crashes had occurred in those three years. We want to keep those numbers as low as possible, except for the number of inspections. We want those to be kind of high with zero violations. Why? Because you're a great driver if you have zero violations. Welcome back to Safety Matters, the podcast series from Reliance Partners. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Albrecht, the Chief Financial Officer and Chief Revenue Officer at Reliance Partners, and I'm your host for our podcast, which is serving as a companion to the Safety Matters webinar series from Reliance. As you heard in our opening, we're dedicating some time on this episode to further drill down on key issues related to the out-of-service challenge, which is also known as OOS. Now, if you missed our first episode covering OOS, I'd like to invite you to go back and take a listen to the debut episode in our Safety Matters series. In today's episode, our discussion will include covering the value of conducting mock audits and exploring strategies that can help trucking companies avoid out-of-service situations. Once again, for this episode, we will be hearing from two highly accomplished subject matter experts who, by the way, happen to be members of our safety team here at Reliance Partners, Mark Barler and Daniel Vega. As we shared with you in our first episode, both Mark and Daniel are former state troopers who were heavily involved with commercial trucking and inspections. Now, as we take you back to our conversation that was also a part of our Safety Matters webinar series, I began by asking Mark about the use of mock audits. Mark, I wanted to talk to you about the importance of mock audits some of the fleets that are really trying to get ahead of violations, lower their CSA scores, and ultimately hopefully have a better insurance premium experience, utilize mock audits. Can you talk to us about what goes on then? What's the value of that? Just your experiences in general. So when you ask someone coming to do a mock audit on your company, they're going to be looking at the same types of things that an FMCSA auditor is going to look at. They should be doing a log audit of your drivers. Now, most people don't know that having failing an hours of service portion of an audit is automatically going to put you as a conditional carrier because they carry two points where all the other basics, it's a one point if you get a conditional portion of it. So if we have a violation rate of a critical false for the sample of drivers that we have, and the sample of drivers is the number of drivers listed by FMCSA, and it's 30 days for each driver. So if you have five drivers, it's 150 logbook days. If you find 15 days with a critical false on there, you're automatically going to be a conditional carrier at that point. You can identify that during a mock audit. Now, how do you fix that? You monitor the use of personal conveyance. You monitor unidentified driving. And when it's not being utilized correctly, you have to force those changes to the driver. 
Other things that a lot of enforcement and a lot of inspection reports I have been reviewing lately is we have to monitor our drivers for misusing co-drivers. They may have login information for a former employee, and when they are out of hours, they can then log in as that former employee and continue driving under their login so it doesn't look like there's any hours of service violations. Well, I think officers have caught on to that, and they're really starting to drill down on that when they're looking at the regulations. Other things that an audit will find is your out-of-service rate. Once you hit 34% out-of-service rate for vehicles in the last year, you're going to fail that basic as well. It can also identify whether or not your crash rate of 1.5 crashes per million miles if you hit that portion of it. And then you can review the crashes to see if any of them are non-reportable FMCSA crashes, because there are criteria that goes with that. Or if the motor carrier doesn't know about the crash preventability determination program, they can start that process to potentially get those crashes either removed from their CSA profile or where it doesn't affect their CSA profile and they can't be used during an audit. Those are things that can be identified during a mock audit. Other things, make sure you got your vehicle maintenance files are good to go. Driver qualification files are good to go. And then your drug and alcohol files are also good to go. So they can identify things pretty quick. The things that they can't identify during a mock audit, but you train the company as drivers, good pre-trip, good post-trip, and BLT inter-trip inspections. Because if you're at that 34% out-of-service rate or higher, you need to get that down. And how do you get that down? non-out-of-service level two and level one inspections to get that rate down. You brought up something about level one and level two. There's overall eight inspection levels, but the vast majority are focused, what, on the first two or the first three? I forget. First three, absolutely. Daniel, let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say one of our agents or maybe the motor carrier that they represent directly calls you on the phone and they're all panicky and they say, well, we just got an out-of-service report. What's your response to them? Because a lot of times that's such a vast open statement. It doesn't really tell you much, but let's say you get that phone call. How do you take that conversation from there so we can be helpful? First, I would say, how many under-service violations did you receive on your inspection report and what are they for? Then I would go and review the violation, have them send me a report. Because like how Mark touched on it earlier, maybe it wasn't a tire that was out of service. Maybe it had enough air, but the officer incorrectly wrote it. I mean, we're all human. So I would review those violations. If it's something that we could move forward with the challenge, we would challenge it and just calm them down a little bit. A lot of times I've heard from producers, especially with younger fleets, smaller fleets that don't have the depth of the organization that a bigger company does, they're panicky and they haven't really even figured out whether it's a driver out of service issue, a vehicle out of service issue. You have to kind of start with the basic facts. What are they? And then what are the underlying violations? And things are addressable, but you don't want to ignore them either. Something that we want to keep in mind if an out-of-service violation designation was given, because the officer has to actually designate it as out-of-service. 
And if they're still at the facility, if it's done roadside and they put them someplace, very difficult to get that out of service removed before it's going to hit your profile. But if you're at the facility and the officer's still there, we can get on the phone with the driver, have us talk to the officer and explain some things. Because nobody in this world is perfect. I have written some bad violations in my career. I would get data cues and I would have to change them. And that's just the nature of life. But we can explain, and I've had several clients call me and say, hey, we're getting placed out of service for this. All right, send me the information. I would look at it and say, all right, there's a problem here. Let me talk to the officer. And I explain, hey, this is why you're seeing what you're seeing if it has to do with an ELD when they're looking at it in ERODs. And that's the program that enforcement uses when you upload and they download it versus looking at the ELD itself and why there's a little bit of a discrepancy. I can explain some of those. But when it comes to, say, a tire violation having less than two thirty seconds inches, well, we need to explain that that needs to be in two adjacent grooves at three points on the tire, at least eight inches apart. And then two tires have to meet that criteria if it's a dual axle end. Now, a lot of officers will miss that point of it. On a dual axle end, if it's not on a steer tire, that both tires on that axle have to actually meet it before it's out of service. And we can explain that. We can show them the out of service criteria, whatever we need to do, and hopefully get it removed before it even they upload it to FMCSA so that out of service won't hit us. And two, we get the vehicle or the driver back on the road as soon as possible. I tell you what, folks, that was an amazing set of explanations there. And I can testify that I've been around are four different safety professionals, and I've seen them receive calls from motor carriers or even a driver directly. What do I do now? They are available to help. And a lot of times, if you can get your hands around that problem, you can lessen some of the burdens of what's been identified as a problem. My question for you, Daniel, is, okay, so we've got all this out-of-service fear, and sometimes it ends up being a violation, most typically vehicle or driver, what does all this mean for CSA scores? I was talking to one of our other safety professionals yesterday, and he mentioned that a lot of the newer drivers don't even seem to have much knowledge of CSA, even though it's very critical to how insurance companies look at assessing risks. So my question to you is, how does OOS tie into CSA? And then just maybe a brief reminder on CSA and the importance of that relative to obtaining favorable insurance premiums. So Mark touched on it a little bit earlier. For out of service, it's an additional two points. So we need to understand that each violation carries a point value depending on the severity of the violation. So a brake guide adjustment is going to carry more than uh, ID lamp that's inoperable. So that's the first part. And the second part is that we need to understand is two additional points are going to be added that are going to go towards your scores, whether it's unsafe driving, hours of service. By looking at those from an insurance standpoint, the more alerts you have, the higher your scores are. Your premiums probably not going to be favorable. Knowing what violations you're getting, understanding your inspection, that way we could reduce the amount of violations moving forward. In the freight environment of the last year, a lot of people's revenues are down. Things that they might want to do to the equipment or even training with drivers and employees, maybe they've had to cut back a little bit. What's your advice to that type of approach in this market, either one of you? I'll start it off. How do we avoid these? I think we have to start with policy and procedures. What policy and procedures does your company have in place? I would recommend having an hours of service policy if 
When can they use personal conveyance? How many hours can they drive? How many hours can they work? And for vehicle maintenance, have a policy in place for your pre-trip and post-trip that they're required. Driver training is very beneficial, ongoing driver training. If you're seeing you're getting a lot of violations for hours of service, whether it's falsification for PC, 14-hour, 11-hour, provide your driver that additional training to help reduce your scores. Mark, do you have anything different to add to what Daniel just shared? Companies aren't making money unless their tires are rolling down the road. So when you're out of service, your tires are no longer moving, either because the driver has to spend a certain amount of hours out of service or we got to get something fixed on the vehicle. So in order to keep making money, keeping our vehicle moving down the road, we do what we need to do. We do our pre-trip. We do our post-trip. We monitor our hours of service. We make sure that when drivers are using personal conveyance, that it is only the personal conveyance that FMCSA allows you to use. And if you don't know what that is, just Google FMCSA, FAQ, personal conveyance. And it will give you a sheet that tells you when it's good and when it's absolutely not good. To get a copy of the out-of-service criteria, Google CVSA out-of-service criteria. And it'll take you to CVSA directly to their out-of-service criteria, which you can get a copy of it. It is copyrighted, so you have to get it from the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. What resources would you recommend to the motor carrier to better educate themselves about out-of-service, data cues, and other regulations? Mark, you obviously just spoke to that about CVSA out-of-service, FMCSA out-of-service. But either one of you, do you have a couple of other resources that you regularly recommend to motor carriers? Operational policy 14 and 15 from CVSA. If you become a member, it's pretty cheap to become a member. You can then have access to those operational policies. Go to CVSA conferences and you're going to get a lot of information on all of this. They'll normally hand out out-of-service criteria at these conferences. So that's really nice. Whenever you want to do a data queue, I do what's called the anatomy of a data queue. One, what does the law say? On that inspection report, you're going to see what regulation was cited. Is there an operational policy that covers it? such as the truck was leaking oil. Well, there's an operational policy that covers it. There's a nail in a tire. Well, there's an operational policy that covers that. Is it a train inspection item? Well, that one's a little bit more difficult unless you went through the training for it. But those are the resources that I use. And you know what? One of the most important resources that you don't have a book for, you phone a friend. How do you make those friends? Show up at conferences and talk to them. They're the experts, especially law enforcement. Most of CVSA is prior law enforcement, prior DOT officers who have done thousands of inspections. They have unique insight on why things are the way that they are. Just a little bit of a side note, CVSA has now taken over all training for new DOT officers from FMCSA. So they're the ones that are training the new officers. So if they don't know it, there's not very many people out there that will know it. It looked like you had something to add earlier and maybe Mark addressed it, but I want to give you the floor. Something else I would add is get yourself a regulations book. It's going to help you when you want to data queue something. We've got a question from either an owner-operator or on behalf of owner-operators. How does the CSA score affect an owner-operator personally? That is an excellent question. The CSA score really doesn't affect the owner-operator. 
It's the pre-employment screening program is what roadside inspections really will affect you. Now, when it comes to CSA scores, you get a roadside inspection that's sitting on the carrier's profile for two years. It's going to sit on a driver's pre-employment screening program, their PSP report, for three years. It's going to list every inspection that was done in those three years. It'll tell you what your out-of-service rate is for the vehicle, for the driver, for hazmat, and how many crashes had occurred in those three years. We want to keep those numbers as low as possible, except for the number of inspections. We want those to be kind of high with zero violations. Why? Because you're a great driver if you have zero violations. You get six inspections, zero violations. That's a driver I want on my team. Does that make you think of anything you've seen in the marketplace? With insurances, they look at MVRs, but when you're applying for jobs, those PSPs are important. Like Mark stated, every inspection is going to show up. So getting clean inspections is the way to go. We have a question also about the data queue process. I know you've both talked about it, Mark in particular, off and on these last several minutes. But the question is, could you explain more about that process? Let me just partially answer that and then throw it back open to you. Reliance Partners has begun to work with some of the state trucking associations. For example, I know we did one in Tennessee earlier this year on how to do data queues, actually teaching motor fleets how to do that. Mark is probably the preeminent data queue person in this country. I'll boast on him. I think your batting average is well over 70, 74% win rate. Just astonishing. Now, there's some reasons for that, but I'll just leave the boast out there. But it's not something that someone has to be licensed to do. You do have to be trained how to do that. So I would start by answering Look for your state trucking associations, whether they're using Reliance or not. Many of them have started to realize how hungry their members are to learn more about this process. The way I think about a data queue is let's fix something from the past that can help almost immediately with some of your insurance. But obviously, over the longer term, you need forward-looking positive policies and procedures, as Daniel alluded to, if you're going to really drive down your out-of-service violations. But a data queue is so helpful for getting a problem off the books immediately, because sometimes those longer-term solutions do take longer. Gentlemen, do you have anything to add to that data queue question there? I do. You can data queue an out-of-service designation if it was wrongly put on there. And where I see it the most is for hazardous materials violations. You can actually get those removed. Other things that can be changed on there is say your vehicle was in a crash and they did a post-crash inspection and they didn't mark the violations was caused by the crash. Well, then we have to ask them to say, hey, it was caused by the crash. It stays on the inspection report, but it doesn't affect our CSA score at that point. So we want to make sure of that. Another thing that is really, really important is if FMCSA goes through with their changes for how CSA scores are generated, a regular violation is going to be one point and out of service violation is going to be two points. So if we can get the out of service removed, we're going to reduce that score by 50%. That's incredible. So how do you know how to do that? Get that out of service criteria. You got to get a copy of it. Because if it's not listed in the out-of-service criteria, it's not out-of-service. States are instructed. Most of it is encoded in their law that they use CVSA's out-of-service criteria and enforce it that way. That's great. 
We've got another really good question here. What's the best way to communicate to trucking companies that they need to run their own MVRs for their driver files when most insurance agencies in the country will run MVRs for them during the quoting process? I think just running them in general gives you a peace of mind of who you're going to have working for you. I know that most insurance companies are going to run them, but it's always good if the actual company takes that part as well so they know who they're dealing with. You got to run it every year. FMCSA requires it. I believe they require you to have three years worth as well. So the motor carrier has to run. It's got to be in the driver qualification file. They got to do it. So in other words, just don't take it for granted. Companies are going to run it. You should be proactive with that kind of data if you're really going to affect change in your organization. And you also have to understand that you are going to see a ton of MBRs. You're going to see violations on there. You're like, what are those codes? Who's better at deciphering those codes than the motor carrier themselves? Are you going to trust someone else to do it? I wouldn't. I'd do it myself. We've got another question. So a driver got a violation for an IFTA permit that was suspended a month before, but at the time of the inspection, the license was active. Can I challenge it? And how would I do that? Now, I say everything can be challenged on a data queue. Whether or not you're going to win is the issue. I don't do data cues on IFTA violations for the fact that it doesn't affect your CSA score. It's not an out-of-service item. If a company or a state says you can't operate until that IFTA is taken care of, understood, but it's not going to affect your CSA profile. If you can show evidence that, hey, our IFTA was good to go at the time of the stop, you could do a data queue to have it removed, to have a nice, clean inspection. It will not affect your CSA score one way or the other, though. We have another question. How does this affect a one-man carrier company? I'm not sure exactly what they mean by this. Maybe it's just in general. We did answer the question earlier about CSA score and an owner-operator. Any of these violations, regulations, et cetera, any additional advice to that one-person motor carrier? If we look at it from an insurance standpoint, it's going to help out your premium. So being a one-man show would recommend you having your scores as low as possible. And I would add on to that. There's really no excuses if you're a one-man show. You're the person doing everything. So you can't say, well, I didn't know about that. Well, you're the only person doing it. You're the person taking that vehicle in for service. You're the one doing the pre-trip, post-trips. You're the only one driving the vehicle. You're the one who's operating that. So just understand the regulations and the interpretations to the regulations, the FAQs that are there. And how do you do that when you're a one-man show? You partner up with someone like Reliance Partners and you ask the questions and you get the answers. You got to ask those questions. Mark, you touched on hazmat. We're not going to necessarily touch on carrier operations or the admin side because that's essentially the organization. You got a big time violation going on there. It could be your MC authority's been revoked, inactive DOT number, any number of things. We're trying to address this really to folks that are dealing with drivers or vehicles out of service. By the way, if you haven't heard the statistics, and I know many have, but The national average for out-of-service drivers, and it depends probably on the time of the year and maybe where we are in the economic cycle, but roughly 4 to 6% of drivers are going to be out of service, and maybe 19 to 21, 22% of the vehicles will be out of service. So these are big numbers, particularly on that vehicle side there and pre-trip, post-trip, inter-trip, inspections. The more you can develop a proactive mindset for your organization the more likely that your outcomes are going to be more favorable. 
Here's a question I hear a lot, and it's hard to put a number on it, but guys, let's take a stab at it. How much will CSA scores and violations actually influence insurance premiums? Could you explain more in numbers? Well, it depends on the insurance underwriter, the nature of everything, but you guys want to take a stab at that? Because I think that's the frustration folks are trying to at least bring down in their organizations. They know it intuitively, lower scores, better rates, et cetera. Some of the government numbers are a little backwards, but anyway, I'll turn it back to you. When it comes to the insurance, I've heard anywhere between one to $2,000 per truck, per year, per alert for the CSA seven basic categories. I don't really get into that numbers, but that's what I've heard them say. Now, what I do know is if you're in the alert for unsafe driving or close to it, there's a lot of brokers that won't work with you. The lower you keep those scores, the more brokers you will be able to work with to transport products. You'll get better rates without a doubt. I hear that all the time. Mark, I need you to help me out. My broker is going to drop me if I don't get my unsafe or my hours of service down. What do I need to do? And then we produce a plan for them. We monitor and we go from there. Daniel, have you heard a rule of thumb on scores and what they might translate to in terms of auto liability per truck on an annualized basis? I don't have a number, but I know it's significantly. I mean, coming from insurance background as well, it's all about risk at the end of the day. If your vehicle at a service rate is two times higher than the national average, or if your driver at a service is two times, you're going to pay a lot more. Let me add to this. With the world of ELDs, for example, and I'm not a producer, so I don't want this to be taken the wrong way, but these are anecdotes I hear on the sales floor pretty much weekly. We had an instance, I think it was last year, 43 trucks had an incident. This fleet, which was not our customer, had had a fatality, I think, two and a half years prior they stressed to the underwriters and their prior agency that they really did believe in safety. They trained people on it. They reiterated it constantly through training, through messages, videos, etc. But they got dinged two years in a row on their renewal. So one of our producers took them to one of these newer underwriters that really look at the ELD data. Quite a bit more real time when you think about it. Driver behavior for the previous 90 days and the underwriter said, holy cow, this is one of the safer fleets I've looked at this year. All the things you can imagine, lane changes, hard braking, quick acceleration and numerous other things, they really stood out and they ended up saving about $3,000 in auto liability per truck that year. So it was a fun story to hear. We can't guarantee anything like that. The underwriters have their own mind, but ELDs are becoming a powerful tool instead of just relying on, let's say, an Excel sheet with five years of loss runs. It's much more real time. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts here? Daniel? Just if you guys ever have any questions, I know I'm open. Give me a call. Maybe we could provide you guys information if you guys request it. Reliance Partners has a great safety team. You have actually three former DOT roadside officers, one of which became an FMCSA auditor. And we have on the head of our team, Brian Runnels, great, been driving a truck for well over 20 years, ran a driver CDL school after that. Just an amazing team on the breadth of knowledge that everybody has. When I have questions that I can't answer, I call Brian. 
or I'll call John Seidel. And they do the same with all of us. And that's just a great team to have when you partner up with Reliance Partners. That was Mark Barler with his closing observations on this episode of the Safety Matters podcast. I'd like to thank Mark and his fellow safety teammate, Daniel Vega, both of Reliance Partners, for joining us on this podcast edition. Reliance Partners is here to help. In fact, we created this Safety Matters podcast and webinar series to serve as a resource to the trucking and logistics industry. Safety Matters is a platform designed to help our motor carrier friends in their efforts to be safer and to be compliant with all of the various trucking regulations. Before we close out this edition of the Safety Matters podcast, I want to tell you a little bit about Reliance Partners. Reliance is the largest independent insurance agency solely focused on trucking and logistics. Our entire team appreciates the important role that trucking and logistics plays within the American economy, and we are absolutely dedicated to this industry. Folks, let's talk about how to connect with Reliance Partners, because it's very easy. You can follow us on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all at Reliance Partners to stay up to date. Especially keep an eye on LinkedIn for announcements on when our next episodes will be airing. Just search Reliance Partners. Also, don't forget to visit our website at www.reliancepartners.com. There you can explore everything we have to offer from requesting a quote to viewing our comprehensive range of services beyond safety. Once again, thank you for spending part of your day with us on the Safety Matters podcast. Now, we would like to invite you to become a regular listener to the podcast by subscribing to Safety Matters on your podcast platform of choice. You can find the podcast by searching Reliance Partners on all of the major podcast outlets. And by becoming a subscriber to the podcast, you will be notified each time we release a new episode. And you'll also have an opportunity to rate the podcast and to share your feedback with us. And finally, as our podcast title says, safety matters. So on behalf of the entire team at Reliance Partners, let's stay safe out there. <laughs>